We're in a series called Paradigm Shift. And it's a series where we can take our perspective and we can trade it for God's. We can take what we see and then trade it for what God sees, which is good because what we see is never the full picture. What we see is never the end of the story. And so this morning, I'm wondering if we could position our hearts for a few moments and go on a journey through these different stories and shift our paradigm. Is that okay? Let me just pray before we jump into it. God, I thank you so much for what you're doing here in this place, in your house, in this community. I thank you for all of the life transformations that we are witnessing today. And God, I pray that you would continue to do it again here at Elam Papakura. God, would you open our hearts and minds to what it is that you want to say to us today? And if you believe that, would you say amen? Well, my message today is called More Than Enough. More Than Enough. And the first story I want to tell y'all about is in Matthew chapter 14, where Jesus performs a miracle. And it is a miracle that thousands get to witness. A miracle that thousands would not have thought possible. It was a miracle that started with a loaf of bread. Well, technically five loaves of bread and two fish, but I can't stand the smell of fish on a good day, let alone when I'm pregnant. So this will (laughs) do. Y'all want to know a funny story? So... (laughs) So I, yesterday, Frosty was going to the grocery store, and I said, hey, I'm telling that story about Jesus feeding the 5,000. Can you grab me a loaf of bread? And he came back, and I go, what kind of loaf did you get? And he goes, oh, just, you know, your normal sliced loaf. Like, he bought a bag of sliced bread. And I'm like, they didn't have that 2,000 years ago. I need to be a bit more authentic than that. But anyways... <laughs> It started with this moment with a loaf of bread. But let me tell y'all what happened. See, Jesus was becoming so popular with the people. He was becoming so popular that people would follow him around. They would hear where he was going, and then they would try to rush and get there before he even got there. They wanted to get the best seats in the house, the best seats on the hillside, so that they could see and hear what Jesus was saying. They were captivated by his presence. They were captivated by his heart for people, by his character simply by who he was, so much so that thousands of people, men, women, and children, would gather just to hear him speak. And they wouldn't want to miss a single thing. So this would mean that oftentimes people would stay all day. They would stay all day because they didn't want to miss a moment when Jesus might perform a miracle or speak something incredible or heal somebody because oftentimes he was healing people, people that would come to him with different needs. He was meeting it. And so people didn't want to miss a thing. And it got to this point one day where Jesus' disciples, his selected crew of 12 young men that he was investing time into to train them in the ways of God, they come to him And they said to him in Matthew 14, verse 15, this is a remote place and it's already getting late, Jesus. Can we just send the crowds away so that they could go to the villages and buy themselves some food? Now you might think this is pretty logical. Like there are thousands of people there and they're getting hungry. They've been there all day. There's no food trucks. There's no phone to call a pizza delivery. People weren't prepared for a picnic. And so this sounds like a logical conclusion that the disciples are coming to. But Jesus says to them, they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. And I love this. He's like, you feed them. You feed them. This shows us in a moment God's heart for people, for those that are hungry, for those that are in need. His heart is to see their need met 
through the hands of his people. That's his heart in this moment, that they wouldn't be sent away, but rather that his chosen people would level up their faith and expand their hearts and mind to feed them and to help them. You know, a lot of non-Christians, they like to say this question. They like to say, well, if God is so good, then why is there so much poverty in the world? If God is so good, what's he doing to help those people? Well, what they don't realize when asking that question is that God is asking them the same question. God's saying, what are you doing to help them? What are you going to do to help feed them? See, back in this moment, Jesus said, you feed them. There is a need, and I have equipped you to feed them. But we as humans, we like to emphasize our limitations to God. We like to remind God that we don't have what they need. We don't have what God needs. We like to say things like what the disciples said to Jesus in Mark 6, 37. They go, Jesus, that would take more than half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much money on bread and give it to the people to eat? Like, let us just be clear on this. Is this what you're asking us to do, Jesus? And Jesus says, well, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And so after going through the whole crowd, they find that there was one young boy who had five loaves of bread and two fish. Now, first of all, that's a really big lunch for a kid. Second of all, that boy's mama was the only one with some foresight to think that her child might get hungry. And so they bring these five loaves and these two fish before Jesus. But when they look at that loaf of bread in their hand, what they see is a limitation. But here's the paradigm shift. What you see as a limitation, God sees as his launch pad. What you see as lacking, God sees what you're bringing. Your limitation is his launch pad. Jesus looked at this limitation of the disciples and he goes, great, let's start with that. That's exactly what I need to launch into my miracle today. We can, we can use that. See, what you see is enough bread and fish for a few people, but what I see is enough bread and fish to feed thousands today. And he performed this miracle. He took this, uh, this bread into his hands and he looked up to heaven and he broke this bread and then he put it back into the hands of his disciples to distribute it to the crowd. Now y'all need to look at this. He said, bring me what you've got. And so they brought him the little they had and they said, we're limited. But then he said, put it in my hands and let me bless it. So they did. And then guess what? Jesus put it back into the hands of his disciples so that they could distribute the blessing. It was Jesus's hands that performed the miracle, but it was the hands of his people that distributed the blessing that day. And there was so much blessing that at the end, after they had fed 5,000 people, that there was 12 baskets of leftovers. The 12 disciples, there was enough for them too. There was enough for them. And there's this another story I love. It's in the Old Testament. And it's about Elisha the prophet. And a few weeks ago, I preached on Elijah. Elisha is like his apprentice. And so in 2 Kings chapter 4, we see a poor widow approach Elisha with this request for help. She's in debt to somebody. We don't know who, but we know that whoever she's in debt to is threatening to take her two sons as slaves in order to pay off her debt. And so she is distraught as a mother. And she comes before Elisha knowing that he is a man of God. He is a prophet of God. And Elisha says to her in verse 2, 
what can I do to help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? She goes, nothing at all except a flask of olive oil. Here we see a prophet of God ask somebody, what do you have? What is already in your hands? What is already in your house? And we see a woman living in limitation. But remember, your limitation is God's what? God's launch pad. And so she's like, I've got nothing except a flask of olive oil. So nothing, that's what I have. But oil, if you remember a few weeks ago, we were talking about this. Oil is very symbolic throughout scripture of representing the Holy Spirit. So she's got the anointing on her side. That's not nothing, y'all. She might just have a flask of olive oil, but she's got God on her side. And so Elisha says to her, He says, borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and neighbors. Don't just get a few. Get as many as you can. And then go into your house with your sons and shut the door behind you. Pour olive oil into the jars and keep pouring until it runs out. Keep pouring this olive oil. When one jar gets filled, set it aside. So she did as she was told, and her sons kept bringing jars to her, and every single jar got filled to the brim with olive oil. And then she goes, bring me another jar. And the son says, there aren't any more. And it was then that the olive oil stopped flowing. She told the man of God what happened, and he said to her, now sell the olive oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what's left over. Here's the paradigm shift. What you see as empty, God sees as an opportunity to fill. What you see as empty, God sees as a moment, an opportunity to fill. She said, I got nothing except. And then when her and her two sons gathered what they had, she saw empty jars. And she might have been thinking in that moment, um, Are you just highlighting my inability to be able to fill these? Are you just highlighting my lack in this moment? But she did as she was told. And here's the thing, is oftentimes we can look at these empty jars. We can look at this story and realize that we might have emptiness in our own life. Maybe when you look at your bank account, or your womb, or your house, or your marriage, your singleness, your future, or even your soul, you look at it and you go, I see nothing. It is empty. But can I tell you what God sees? What God sees when he looks at your so-called emptiness, he actually sees it as an opportunity to fill you with his love to fill you with his favor, his blessing, to fill you with his peace. He sees this as an opportunity for his power to manifest in your life. You know what happened when she filled the jars full? What happened was she all of a sudden had enough that she could be released from the debt on her life. The debt got canceled and she found freedom for her and her sons. But also the oil never ran out until she ran out of jars. It didn't run out until there was not a single jar left. Do you realize that there is enough of God to fill every empty vessel that comes into his house? There is more than enough of God to pour out his blessings until it overflows. That's the type of God that we serve. You know, we talked about how Jesus fed the 5,000 
But people don't really talk about the story that happened a couple chapters later where he did it again. He replicated the miracle. The people were hungry again. The disciples doubted again. And so Jesus said to them again, what do you have? And this time they brought him seven loaves and a few fish, and he multiplied it to feed 4,000 that day. See, God's power doesn't run out as long as you keep bringing him what you have. He's got enough to keep going with his miracles. Remember, God will always ask, what do you have? And then he asks you to place it in his hands so that he could bless it, so that he could perform the miracle, and then he puts it back into the hands of his people so that they can help serve others and distribute the blessing. That's what the vision offering is all about. God is asking every single one of us, what do you have? Would you trust that that is exactly what I need so that we can impact and influence and reach this community with the gospel? Let me tell you one more story today. It's from a pastor in the States, and he said that we can often come up with an array of, of excuses to notice someone and help, but not be the person to help, right? I think we've all been there. He said there was this one time when he drove past a man on the side of the road who was standing next to his car. And that man obviously needed some help, but this pastor's first thoughts were, Look, I don't know how long it will take to help him, and I'm kind of busy, but also I am the last person that anybody needs help with when it comes to something mechanical. You and me both, sir. And so he had these excuses going through his head. He's like, I'm not the one who this guy needs. See, what he had was this limitation on his time, but also this perceived emptiness of knowledge. And so he concluded with a false paradigm, a false assumption, thinking, I'm not who this guy needs. But the Holy Spirit nudged him as he often does and says, would you stop to help? And so the pastor, feeling convicted, turned his car around. He pulled up behind this guy, standing on the side of the road. He got out of his car and he said, hey, man, are you good? Do you need anything? Assuming that he would not be the one with the solution, but just going through with obedience that God had asked him to stop. And the man said to him, yeah, I need some water. My radiator is overheating. This pastor happened to have bottles of water in his truck that day. He happened to have the very thing that that guy needed, and he was able to help that man that God had asked him to stop and help. Here's the paradigm shift. You make an assumption, but God sees you as the solution. He sees you as the solution. See, that pastor assumed that because he had no mechanical knowledge, on how to fix a car, he wasn't the right guy, but he listened to the nudge of the Holy Spirit. And he still stopped that, that day, and he discovered that his perceived limitation and his emptiness of knowledge led him to a false paradigm, an assumption and a belief that he couldn't help. But God knew that the solution was already in his car. Keys can come join me now. You know, it reminded me of this time last summer when Frosty and I, we were driving out to the Coromandel, and it was a hot summer day. And this was around the time when those forest fires were raging through Australia. Remember that? 
And so we were driving down this road one day, and we saw two different cars parked up on the side of the road. And they were trying to flag down more cars. And so they flagged us over, and this girl ran up to our window. She goes, do you have any water? And all of a sudden, I realized that what people are running towards is this spot near the fence where this dry grass had caught on fire in this farmer's field. So she asked us, do you have any water? And then she ran to the next car and to the next one, to the next one. All of a sudden, within moments, there were at least 10 cars stopped and everybody was grabbing any form of water bottle out of their car, hopping out of their car, and we're all running over to this spot in the field and we're chucking our water on it. And here's the thing, the water we had would not have put out the fire. But when all of us collectively combined the little we did have in our car, all of a sudden we had enough as a group to put out the fire that day before the farmer even realized his field was on fire. Do you realize that when you think about the vision offering, you might look at what you have and you might say, well, what I have wouldn't make a difference. What I have is not enough. But can I tell you the miracle happens when we all combine together collectively and we actually realize that God has equipped us with more than enough for the miracle with more than enough for the need you make an assumption based on your current paradigm but God already sees you as the solution and if we were to shift our paradigm to a heavenly perspective you would see that we could have an incredible impact when we actually bring the little we do have, because watch this. When you bring what you have, you get to fill an empty vessel that walks into this church. See, when you bring the little that you have, you actually get to fill the emptiness in someone's marriage when you sponsor somebody to go to the marriage course. When you bring the little you do have and you sponsor somebody to go to the Valiant Man course, you get to fill an emptiness that led that young man to an unhealthy addiction to porn. When you bring what you do have and you sponsor somebody for a counseling session, you get to fill the emptiness in someone's mind with the truth of what God says about them. When you bring what you do have and you pour it into the youth ministry, you get to fill the emptiness and the void in a young person's life so that they could actually discover purpose and they could realize that this is a place where they belong, where they are loved and valued when you bring what you do have and you sow into the worship ministry. You get to pour into every empty vessel walking in here that is filled with sounds of joy and praise as they come into a Sunday service. See, when you bring what you do have and you sow it into what God is doing here at Elam Christian Center, Papakura, you actually get to help the empty vessels that God sends into this house when you bring what you do have. We get to fill the empty vessels. And remember what happened with the poor widow? When all of her jars were filled, what happened next? Her debt was canceled. Her debt was canceled and she found freedom. Guess what? When an empty vessel gets filled in the house of God, when an empty soul finds salvation, all of a sudden that person's debt is canceled. They don't have to pay the price that they deserve to pay because people banded together and said, we could help fill that person. We could bring what we do have so God could perform a miracle in their life so that their debt is canceled so that they can live and walk in freedom and in the fullness of who God made them to be. 
that's what we do here at church, is we help to fill the empty vessels that we all once were. We were all an empty vessel at some point in our lives, and I know there are empty vessels in our room today, but this is the beautiful thing about God is that God has more than enough. The oil never ran out until the jars did. There are always more empty vessels to fill. And Jesus has so much for you to experience. In fact, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. He also said, whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will well up inside them like a spring for eternal life. You might look at this and just be like, that's bread and water, but God looks at it and he sees so much more. Jesus came to this world to do so much more than simply appeasing our earthly appetite. He came so that we could have eternal satisfaction. He came so that we wouldn't have to hunger or thirst for the things of this world, but that we could find full satisfaction in him. God wants to fill you today. And once you've been filled, he wants you to help fill others. He wants that overflow to extend to others. And so I'm gonna pray a prayer as I close today. And I wanna invite anybody that doesn't yet know God that might have some emptiness in their spirit, some emptiness in their soul, I wanna invite you to be filled today. I wanna invite you to experience the fullness of Christ. And so I'm just gonna ask you to close your eyes and bow your heads, because I'm gonna pray a prayer that in a crowded room, this is a very personal question, but do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior because he has so much more for you. He has more than enough for you and he wants you to experience that today. Starting a relationship with him is actually really easy. All you have to do is pray a simple prayer that I'm gonna pray in just a moment where you acknowledge him as the Lord and Savior of your life. And if you wanna make this decision today, I want you to pray this prayer in your heart and mean it with everything that you've got. Say, dear Jesus, I come to you empty. The world has not satisfied. I've turned to many things, but God, I wanna to turn to you today because I know that you are the God of more than enough. You are a God who is good. You are a God who can fill me so that I can experience complete and full satisfaction. And so God, I surrender my emptiness to you. I surrender my limitations to you. I lay down my assumptions about who you were. And today in this moment, I ask that you would be my Lord and my Savior. Fill me with your Holy Spirit, Lord. In Jesus' name.